Welcome to Cypher Vision and today's episode, Innovation-Led Sustainability. I'm Nigel Schweitzer, CEO at Cypher, and joined today by Francesca Lavoie, episode one of series three, A New Beginning, Frankie. Yes, I'm super excited to get on to season three of the Cypher Vision podcast and a great way to kick off 2023, I think, with a really important topic. And bearing in mind, you were so good at the medley at the end of last year. What do you reckon the overall theme of this series is going to be? We'd like to focus on leading the change. How can we push forward change, whether that be within IP departments or in other parts of businesses to really move us all forward? We've got a great guest today who's going to talk about that. And that's Greg Osler, Head of Corporate Solutions at 1.5. Pleasure to have you with us, Greg. Thank you for having me as a guest of your podcast. It's a real pleasure. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to having a discussion with you around what 1.5 does. But maybe before we get there, for our listeners, could you give a little background on yourself and maybe talk about why you joined 1.5? I started my academic background in mechanical engineering with a particular focus on material science, where I did a PhD centered around sustainability. But actually, my professional career has been in a completely different subject. Most of my career prior to 1.5 has been in market research, advisory, and consulting positions. And across my time at L2, which was focused on digital strategy consultancy and aggregating various data sets to assess the digital proficiency of brands, and the same thing, a similar concept that Condenas at Vogue Business, I effectively saw the power of combining and merging various data sets as basic as they may be to create a solid foundation for decision making. And why I joined 1.5 in the first place was a natural next step that kind of merged my academic background and my professional training together. I started off at 1.5 being responsible for understanding the market dynamics, the competitors, the opportunities that existed within the packaging industry. And together, at the same time, I also looked at scouting for innovation. So how are we able to make decisions from IP and from innovations based on different data sets that are not just based on performance or properties of materials and products? So when we're talking about the organization 1.5, and I just want to make reference for our audience here, we're talking about limiting global warming to 1.5 for the future prosperity of the planet. I did want to also point out that if anyone wants to look you guys up, your URL is 1-5.com. But what is your specific mission? Our specific mission, or 1.5, is effectively a biomaterials research, development, and scale-up company. And the reason why I mentioned all three of these elements is because we don't just focus on the initial stages of innovation and development, or we don't just focus on the scale-up and the commercialization of products. We look at the entire spectrum. So in simple terms, we take client needs we identify via our decision-making algorithm the most suitable technology. And we develop this technology from early stage, say TRLs two or three, all the way up to commercial scale. So TRLs eight or nine in about 12 to 18 months. And our business model is to patent develop technologies and license them out in various different forms to our customers that are mostly within the consumer packaged goods space. And in particular, currently we're focusing on the packaging space and packaging innovations. 
what we're not in the business of doing is becoming a packaging producer. Rather, what we want to do is enable change in the packaging industry and brands alike with tried and tested blueprints to make sustainable packaging. And so you talked about developing a blueprint there for your customers. Could you maybe give us an example of what would you be working on if if we're thinking about what's an innovative, sustainable packaging blueprint? Absolutely. So take the example of a CPG company that, say, produces ground coffee. What we would do is effectively take their performance needs, their criteria. We would look for relevant IP and technologies that can fulfill this need and then develop it from prototype scale all the way to mass production, creating effectively a blueprint that this company needs to follow to produce. And what we try to do is to integrate within their supply chain. That makes a lot of sense that you're giving a customer an end-to-end blueprint where they can go away and and produce that sustainable packaging for coffee. Nigel, the topic of sustainability and being able to bring products to market that are sustainable is something that we are talking to our customers about. Do you want to talk a little bit around how we work with our customers on the topic of sustainability? It's obviously the hot topic. It turns out that we're quite fond of planet Earth, so destroying it doesn't seem like an amazing strategy. All investors are looking at sustainability because they're the companies which are the ones that are going to prosper long term, and that's what we want to encourage. But it's quite difficult to measure a company's greenness. In fact, there's a whole concept out there of greenwashing, and that's because there's so many sentiment-based, so many touchy-feely metrics out there that don't really get a good grip on sustainability. So what Cypher has been doing through our ability to classify technology is look inside a company and analyze the technologies that they own, which are likely to contribute to 1.5 degrees. So if you own a green technology in relation to sustainable packaging, then that's a good thing. And if you own all your patents relating to fracking, maybe not so good. And so you can actually use fact-based analysis to go and tell the companies that are green from the companies who say they're green. But I have a question for you, Greg, which just was burning as I heard you talk about 1.5, which is you're a startup. You're a relatively new company. You've had a very successful seed round at the back end of 2022. Why are the large companies not coming up with these innovations themselves? I think there's many reasons for that. The reality is that there are much larger companies with much deeper pockets than we could ever imagine that have access to an incredible amount of tools. The reality is that the perfect technology or say the most sustainable technology currently does not exist. There may be bits and pieces here and there that may as combined give you the perfect packaging, but the perfect solution is not out there despite what the claims of the industry. This is where 1.5 is trying to disrupt the industry We're looking at a completely different approach to innovation, which does not stop only at performance, properties, and functionalities of material or a technology. We're looking at the entire spectrum of criteria that are crucial to bring that technology from ideation all the way into commercial availability. And referring back for a second to our funding round, That is effectively why VCs and impact investors have invested in us. We don't look at sustainability as a abstract concept, but sustainability for us means really impact. So there's no point in having 
the perfect technology, the most sustainable technology, if nobody then uses it. And this is why it's crucial for us to bring technologies from early development all the way to commercialization. That's really the only way that you can have an impact or positive impact on the environment. But referring back for a second to our approach or how we do things differently, particularly on the search metrics, what we're doing is we are cross-matching client briefs or client data sets with patent data and potentially unpublished technologies. But what we do on top of that is we overlay a series of other data sets, such as environmental and sustainability criteria, consumer acceptance data, material science parameters, and economic and commercial criteria that all help us to inform our decisions. So we're essentially looking at the entire value chain of innovation. We're combining data sets to assess a technology across their entire lifespan, such that it has the highest chance of making it to market. It seems to make a lot of sense to take an approach like that that is fact-based across a number of different criteria so that you do bring something that has impact to market. Could you maybe bring that to life a little bit? What would be an example of that? There's two examples that I'd like to give. The first one is, let's take the example that we found the best performing plastic in the world. Yes, it has the perfect functionalities. It fits perfectly. It will store your ground coffee that we referred to previously for 24 months or 36 months. It's just a fantastic product. And it takes the box from a sustainability perspective because it has the lowest carbon footprint in the market. But if we look at current market conditions, consumers or plastic has a very bad reputation with consumers. And I have we've looked at plenty of studies, latest one from a company called Oguri, that saw that sustainable packaging was the second most important decision-making factor in the last Black Friday events after price discounts. And if you bring these two together, you maybe have considered everything from a sustainability perspective and from a performance perspective, but the fact that you may not have considered the entire life cycle of this product. So who are the end consumers? Would they buy? Would they look for this type of packaging? Actually creates a hindrance to the impact that this material can have. So we really need to take a very holistic approach to to innovation to make sure that this is the right material, it has the right functionalities and is also then used for the purpose it was intended to at scale. And the scale part is truly crucial, in particular, where we're getting to the point where there is too much waste and volume and scale truly make the difference. The other one is, for example, the availability of data. So one of the things that we come across quite often is the lack of data or lack of quantitative data especially in a innovative new sector. So that's where we start bringing together qualitative and quantitative data to really inform decisions. Directional data is not a bad thing. It can still help you make a decision. For example, a polyethylene may be better at providing an oxygen barrier than a new novel PHB polymer. And we may not be able to quantify it just yet, but already having this knowledge can give you direction and pointing you on the right path for a decision whether to pursue a certain technology or not. I think it's great to think about how you 
take different data points so that you get meaningful insight that's going to have impact. You can't just look at innovation data on its own. And Nigel, I know we talk about that a lot. You can't just have just the patent data. What story is that telling you? You do need to look at other data sources as well to put that into context and to get that insight. I think that's all been part of the Cypher journey. Thinking back to series two, we had Jason from Tech Insights talking about the semiconductor sector. Completely different, Craig, but same idea. They're market leaders. They have a lot of knowledge in relation to the semicon technologies, the market players, the pricing, the future demands. And then they overlay patent data and the sum of the parts is greater than each in isolation. I'm also thinking about Mintel. They do a report on FMCG and they use patent data combined with their knowledge of all products in the market. And 40% of their customer base are looking for Mintel to try and predict the future. Turns out predicting the future is really hard, but having trend lines in relation to what companies are investing in, what they're choosing to protect, it's all really interesting. So I'm super keen, Greg, to hear how ciphers being used by you to actually make that difference absolutely i think there's to your point the power of different data sets and sometimes they may be disregarded as maybe not unique enough or everybody has access to this data set so why would it give me a competitive advantage the reality being able to extract insights from disparate data sets really gives you an edge in being able to get significant insights. But to answer your question, I'll start off with the point of IP. I think for us, 1.5 IP was the starting point of our technology searches because it offered a great balance in terms of having a consistently structured data set with the right level of conviction in the technology. Very few people, I believe, would patent a technology and invest the capital behind it if there wasn't some level of acceptance that the technology is valid. But on the flip side, we were also facing the fact that they're often written in a way to protect a technology rather than divulge. And this is where I think Cypher came in and helped me and 1.5. My background, as you could tell from before, I essentially had very little knowledge of patents. In fact, I was actually quite scared of patents in the first place. My only previous experience was trying to submit a patent throughout my PhD with my supervisor, and I found patents scary. So to answer your question of how does Cypher help, I think for us, or at least for me, it started to make patents more structured, comprehensible, and legible. I think about my experience with patents now at 1.5, I would likely still have nightmares if I had to read these thousand plus patents, I had to read in a very short amount of time through the EPA or the WIPO website. So the reason why I picked Cypher in the first place was it gave me as a IP amateur, <laughs> the ability to delve into the world of patents and democratize IP and the IP world and simplify it and remove its complexity. I was not really interested in specific CPCs and specific keywords or combinations thereof or the specific application of a technology or all the intricacies and complexities of a patent itself. I was only interested in finding these hidden gems, these golden nuggets or technologies that are hidden away 
from plain sight. So as I was saying before, if these technologies were available or existed, particularly in the sustainable packaging space, somebody would have found them. The fact of the matter is they don't exist. So finding them is not straightforward, which also means that we need to look for similarities and relevancy at a much larger scale. And that's a little bit of a different approach that we have compared to a standard technology search. We refer to our standard patent search as a bottom-up approach, which look at the narrowest set of keywords and then works their way up, expanding that search until they have a sufficiently large data set. We use Cypher because we wanted to look at the entire ecosystem of relevant patents first and then mix and match those that made most sense so that we can create the whole out of small components out there. And the sensibility of finding fringe technologies or technologies that are tangentially relevant. I think it's great to hear you feel like you're a bit more comfortable with patents having not originated as a patent professional. That's a great message to everyone out there. There is this super useful data in patents. Don't be scared of it. Thank you for sharing that with us, Greg. Absolutely. It's changed quite a lot from when I started up until now. Now I think I'm fairly confident in reading a patent and the fear has somewhat gone away. It's been really interesting to hear the approach that 1.5 is taking to delivering impactful, sustainable packaging innovation and actually bringing that to market and and how you're doing that. What I'd like to ask you now is if you're thinking about the future, what needs to happen? What needs to change? And who do you think is going to lead that change in sustainable innovation? So I think the packaging industry is undergoing heavy disruption and there are strong winds of change coming from all directions. For starters, There is a strong push from legislators. The EU has been leading the charge here with the single-use plastic directive and other laws that are very stringent and pushing for change in the industry. There's also increased investment going into the space due to the increased consumer attention to the issue. And as we were saying before, despite the industry claims, the holy grail currently in sustainable packaging doesn't currently exist. So we need to act now. We need to have a solution now or tomorrow. So I think it is the healthy and open collaboration between startups and incumbents that really will lead the path. And the fact that there is also push from legislation means that brands are already more open, or at least they're forced to be open to have that conversation or take that risk. And what we are trying to offer is a way to minimize that risk and to make it a lot more palatable from a business perspective. From a 1.5 point of view, I think in the startup, you need to be both a realist and an optimist at the same time. We may be lucky enough to find this incredible innovation, perfect sustainable packaging. And you may not see it, but my fingers are crossed under the table just in case we find it. But at the same time, we want to make, at the very least, the packaging of tomorrow better than the one that we had yesterday. You talked about governments sort of pushing the change in some respect, but incumbents potentially could have the biggest impact. What would be your message to them? My message to incumbents would be not to be afraid of disruptive technologies and innovations. There are some incredible technologies out there, and some of them may need time for sure, as you would expect from innovation, but they may also require less 
of a large investment or a disruption to their own supply chains than one may imagine. This is a big topic, sustainability, innovation, saving the planet. Can you, for our listeners, bring it all together in a cipher vision, a key takeaway? My first takeaway, I think, from a personal perspective is that it's a myth that patents are only the domain of patent experts, at least for the purpose of identifying novel technologies. The second one for me is the power of combining data sets, even simple and publicly available ones. Patents and patent data are definitely crucial and the starting point to scout for innovation, but to fully harness their potential at scale, they need to be combined with other data sets, including sustainability criteria. And this is especially true for an industry in its infancy, such as sustainable packaging. If the Earth's temperature rises beyond 1.5 degrees, this will result in drought, famine, species extinctions, and loss of habitable land, and throw more than 100 million people into poverty. The challenge to find solutions has led to new approaches of the type explained by Greg at 1.5. Those approaches embrace the insight that can be unleashed by aggregating and interrogating multiple data sets, including patent data, to find opportunities that are beyond the business models of major corporations. Finding solutions to sustainable packaging is tough. If it was easy, they would have been implemented already. You need to think differently and have the ability and commitment to execute. In a world where there is criticism directed at those who only talk green, the credit should only go to those who make it happen. Thank you, Greg, for providing this capacity for change and for the conversation. Thank you very much, Nigel. Thank you very much, Francesca, for having me on the podcast. It was a great pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you for tuning into the Cypher Vision podcast series, the first of season three. Please continue the conversation on social using hashtag CypherVision and share your thoughts about today's episode on innovation-led sustainability. 